What's up, everybody? It is that time of the week again. Your esteemed co-hosts, myself and Uncle Buck, Drew Gann, are here for another jam-packed edition of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. I want to welcome in my colleague, uh, Drew. How's everything going down there in North Mississippi? Man, everything's good. Uh, weather's good. It's pretty outside. Uh, I can't really complain about too much. I had a crazy, slam-packed, busy weekend in which we spent a lot of time on the road. So this week has been one of those weeks where the work week is more relaxing than the weekend. Hmm. And so uh, it is Wednesday. I've got a couple good nights sleep under my belt. And so I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. How's South Carolina? Yeah, it's good, man. The uh, weather's nice. It's going to be warm. It uh, got pretty warm today. Tomorrow's going to be a little bit cooler for the last time, I think, for the year. And then we're going to be back up in the 80s and uh, going to play some golf this weekend, be outside, enjoy some of that beautiful weather. And uh, I know you got out and celebrated some this weekend, but want to wish a happy belated Mother's Day to all our mothers out there that are fans of the show listening in, especially to our moms and uh, Drew's wife, Haley. Happy Mother's Day. We wouldn't be the same without y'all in our lives. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've both got great mothers, and I have an amazing wife and mother to my kids. Uh, they were well-treated this weekend, I'll tell you that. Uh, me and my father stepped up to the plate Sunday and cooked dinner and cleaned up the table afterwards. And so, wow, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Haley, you're welcome. Mama, you're welcome. You know, uh, don't get any crazy ideas, but I'm just kidding. So, uh, yeah, we had a good... You know, uh, I don't think this is braggadocious, but kind of my the way that I uh, show love. You know, lots of people talk about love languages, and I don't know that I never necessarily buy it uh, wholeheartedly. But I do love giving gifts, and so it was a fun weekend to where I could just kind of hang out with, so hang out with Haley and appreciate her. So, uh, but that's enough talk. She comes up on this podcast way too much. This is not a sports and wife podcast. This is a sports podcast. And so, uh, Rusty, I think we're going to lead this off. It was such a hit last week, uh, our fan questions, and we got a few more today. Yeah. And so uh, hit me with those. I have not heard these questions. And so uh, here we go. We got hit some good ones first. tonight uh, to lead off with. So we're going to start going back to Cousin Kirk, listening to us out there while he protects our highways and byways in Mississippi as a uh, highway patrolman. We appreciate your service, Kirk. At least I do anyway. You speak about your cousin, but here we are. Why is there's such an inflation problem in the northeast part of the country? Good Lord. I don't know. <laughs> this is a sports podcast, man. We ain't into he, politics. He's never been to the northeast part of the country. Where's he getting his information? Maybe. Is Instagram? it bad in Alcorn County? Is it something that, that's going on in the northeast part of the state, maybe? I mean, uh, groceries have went up, but I think that's a nation problem. But if you're asking me to dissect why, no. I, I don't know. Maybe everybody's getting greedy, you know? Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, we yeah. get a lot of people that come down here in South Carolina from the Northeast complaining about the taxes or we're coming down here for the warmer weather and the cheaper taxes. So I know it's an issue. Don't really know what's driving it, but uh, it's making my roads and my commute to and from work a lot worse. It's all I got to uh, say. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to sell that big Dodge and get you a Prius. Dude, I need a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. <laughs> all right. Question number two. And this is this is. I want you to put your thinking cap on for this one, all right? This is okay. a tough one, a very philosophical question, and we everybody knows that this is an intelligence podcast, if, not just yeah, a sports if you, podcast. Uh, if you need your life questions answered, you've come to the right spot. Absolutely. Question number two from Cousin Kirk. Uh, what happens when you get scared half to death twice? 
I guess you die. But I guess you're the, officially scared to death. <laughs> to me, I don't think it's realistic to say that because you don't know what whole death feels like. Yeah. So you think you got scared half to death, but you don't really know because you've never died. Has anybody it, ever been scared to death, literally? I mean, I'm sure someone's gotten scared and had a, a, a secondary issue come up, like their heart stopped or their brain stopped. So, I mean, that can happen. So why is the expression not, I got scared halfway to a heart attack? Hmm. Death sounds scarier, I think. Not that a heart attack's not scary, but I got scared <laughs> to death sounds way scarier. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, common math tells me if you get scared half to death twice, then you've you found oh. death. You yeah. know, and I think it depends on timing, right? Like, if you're scared half to death back to back, I think you're screwed, and you really have been scared to death. But if there's some time in between, you maybe, uh, like, recharge your batteries a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you've recovered from the first half death, and yeah. now... You can have another half death experience, you know. Yeah. You know, um, we but, all need those little like life and energy bars above us, like in the old video games, like Mortal Kombat, so we'll know what we're dealing with when we run run into people and that'd be a good way to see it. If your life bar goes down halfway, you better not get scared again. Yeah, same way with like a I just need like the uh the fatigue bar, you know, like you got in like two K, you know. Once you that fatigue bar you can't hit any shots, you right. know, and I need that just so everybody in my family knows, like, don't ask me to do nothing. Maybe that's what happened to DeAndre Ayton. His fatigue bar was low, and he had to reset on the baseline. I think that if he said that, it would still be a cop-out. He just didn't, <laughs> he didn't want to be there. <laughs> he just didn't want that smoke. That's it. So, uh, yeah, all, long and short of it, to all of our fans out there, keep your head on a swivel and don't get scared half to death twice. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Kirk, again, <laughs> uh, <laughs> why won't the government release the name of the second gunman from the grassy knoll? Oh, so he thinks there was a second gunman. Uh-huh. Do you think there was a second gunman? I think it's plausible. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard to convince me that just one pulled off one of the most high-profile assassinations in the history of our country. I just think one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest failures in America was letting Jack Ruby shoot Lee Harvey Oswald yep. outside the hospital, because that's where everything went wild. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe Lee Harvey Oswald, if you believe that there was a second gunman or that the mob was, uh, you know, behind it, then maybe Lee Harvey Oswald was a pawn and didn't know the whole plan anyways. But he's the guy that I don't want to ask. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only guy you could ask. I think they know. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I, I think they know what happened. I th- and I think they could be involved. I don't necessarily know that it's the mob, but I wouldn't, you know, there's been some pretty plausible evidence that, that, the, that the government had something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, evidence is quote in quotes you know mm-hmm. finger quotes evidence yeah. with this because everybody's got evidence you know right. not evidence is nece- necessarily applicable uh and that's what happens when you leave cases open this long with no answers is everybody's got an answer you know maybe it's ufos maybe it was aliens maybe the the whole government is just lizard people yeah. you know um maybe all birds are fake i, yeah. I mean all these questions need to be answered. <laughs> and that's what I, happens I, when you when you leave it open and you get real hush-hush about it. Questions come up. People want to know the answer. And, and people are going to ask and try and figure it out. And then you get these tinfoil hat guys sitting in their trailers with nothing else to do, watching the aliens fly by, and then they come up with these conspiracy theories. Yeah, and let me be honest with you and tell you, uh, maybe it's kind of a hot take. I don't know. But I don't believe that the American public needs to know everything. <laughs> you know? No, I don't uh, disagree. Now – 
a presidential assassination may not fit into that category, but there's a lot of things that go on that maybe we don't need to know. Yeah. But in the same breath, there's a lot of things that they cover up that we probably do need to know. So allow me to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. But, <laughs> you know, there's some things that's probably happened that I just don't need to know about. You know, if we were a good podcast, we'd drop in the clip of Jack Nicholas from uh, A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth right here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're a redneck podcast. You get what you get. Yeah, we don't have that kind of technology. Let me guess. Nah. The next question from Kirk. One more from Kirk before we move on. Uh, and I like this question. This is a good uh, sports thought question. So the 1998 home run race saved baseball after the strike and, and you know, bad baseball throughout the 90s. Right. So it begs the question, should steroids be encouraged for baseball since it sparked the great home run race of 1998? Should they be encouraged? No. Should they be encouraged for baseball? No. That's the question. But should they be allowed, I guess, is another question. No. All right. So <laughs> here. So, yes, you're right. The steroid era in baseball is probably the best era of baseball, along with like the attitude era in the WWE. Anytime you have something that great, it's it probably needs to be. It's probably not good for public consumption <laughs> at the same time. Um, so, yeah, but steroid era baseball was great. And I believe that steroids need to be in baseball. Uh, because hitting, it's just like football, you know, the hardest hits are the most fun to watch and the balls right. that get hit the furthest are the most fun to watch yeah. and baseball has got a real identity crisis here. And so, yeah, I think it'd be cool that if there were steroids in baseball, however, uh, you can't encourage that people take steroids. However, maybe you just quit talking about it and just let it happen and yeah. don't test. And, you know, it's kind of like the NBA did for weed. Like they quit testing for marijuana because, you know, it's weed who cares, you know, and everybody's going to do it. And all you're going to have is the best players get suspended, yep. you know, for recreational use, you know, uh, steroids has a worse effect on your body. And so you can't encourage it, but yeah, maybe just look the other way, look the other way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, they're, they're adults and they're making decisions on what they want to do and, you know, put in their body with these performance enhancing drugs and, you know, it doesn't make him necessarily better with hand-eye coordination. Barry Bonds could could mash baseball. He could hit baseballs before he got yoked. He could just hit them a lot further after he got on steroids. And so I agree. I'm of the, the school of thought. Maybe we don't encourage it and push it on them. But without steroids, you don't get guys like Ken Caminetti that don't have a neck that just walk up there and mash baseballs. Yeah. You'll always have the guys like Tony Gwynn that can just flat hit. Ken Griffey Jr. that can just flat hit. But you get a guy Those that hits a ball. guys aren't celebrated anymore. No. Guys, and guys like Tony Gwynn, pure Tony baseball Gwynn. players aren't celebrated anymore if you can't hit home runs to all air, all parts like, of the field. Yeah, and Tony Gwynn is uh, this. I'm a huge Tony Gwynn fan, man. And like Kyle Schwarber <clears throat> last year struck out more times in one season than Tony Gwynn did from 1990 to 1999. And it's just wild how, like, if you really think about that, like, Tony Gwynn only struck out like a hundred and something times. Like it's it's ridiculous how often, how how little he got he got struck out. And then you see guys are just up there swinging away and hacking away. So so this is like, the, like that gets overlooked far too often in what is a you know talent ridden sport. Over a twenty year career, Tony Gwynn struck out four hundred and thirty four times, mm -hmm. an average of twenty one point seven strikeouts per season. That's wild, man. And there was one more stat. I'll briefly, I'm going to paraphrase it while I'm trying to look it up at the same time. Uh, 
so John Smoltz was on a podcast and he was talking about the greatness of Tony Gwynn and what it was so wild is that he said that Tony Gwynn faced Smoltz, Gla- uh, Smoltz, Glavin, and um, Pedro and combined against them in their career, he struck out six times. Yeah. That's some talent. <laughs> and including John Smoltz never struck him out. Yeah. <laughs> there was a Greg Maddox had a, has a famous quote about him and he was, just, well, he's talking about just hitters in general. And he was like, all hitters can pick up arm slots and they can pick up spin on the ball and they can pick up wrist action as, as pitchers are releasing the balls, but nobody can pick up speed, like real speed of the ball. He said, except that bleeping Tony Gwynn right. <laughs> was the only one that could pick up that speed like that and know exactly what was coming. Probably the most underappreciated baseball player in the last 50 years. Absolutely. I mean, he kind of got swallowed up, not swallowed up, but he got forgotten about because of the steroid era. Well, and the Padres were never, I mean, they were like a wild card team. They were never great. Right. It's it's like Mike Trout. He was buried on a bad baseball team on the West Coast and just never got out and really – like he got some hype, but there were guys like Wade Boggs and played for Boston and obviously King Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, these other guys that were getting more hype and bigger markets. And all Tony Gwynn did was just get on base. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tony Gwynn is is a forgotten hero. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, he would have been the guy that would have the best stories to tell as mm-hmm. he got older. It's the thing you kind of miss about Kobe as well. Yeah. It's like he was taken so young from us when he you know, and he, and Tony Gwynn did coach, you know, for a little bit, but his alma mater. Uh, when he, State. yeah, and so when he, when he's old, the stories that they could tell, you know, yeah, that that was really robbed from us and from just from humanity as a whole, you know. Yeah, yeah. So R.I.P. Tony Gwynn. But uh, we've got two last more philosophical questions to get us more introspective, Drew, before we dive into our sports talk. For my buddy Caleb, Caleb is a real estate agent. It's a free little shout-out for you, Caleb, here in Myrtle Beach. Uh, he will sell you a house, sell your home, love where you live, MB, on Instagram. Big shout-out to Caleb. Hey, quit giving out ads. If he <laughs> wants an ad, tell him to pay for it. That's his one freebie. <laughs> okay. If you so, want to, if you want a shout-out next week, you got to pay us. That's right. Caleb, you're listening. you gotta, you got to pay us for next week. <laughs> All right, so first question. You're a dad. Mm-hmm. Where do babies come from? You want me to show you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they come from the Lord and uh, and the stork, right? And from, yeah, and, fr- and fr- from very sensitive areas. I found <laughs> <laughs> they can, yeah. Uh, um, just from personal experience, I can tell you that they can be pulled out as well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Where do babies come from? You heard it here first. Our yeah. resident dad. I don't have kids, so I can't answer. Yeah, I'm telling you, uh, the pictures you see on Facebook are nice and sweet and everything. Let me tell you from experience, about an hour earlier, that was not pretty. <laughs> and immediately after, right? It was yeah. chaos. <laughs> yeah. No, immediately after, it's perfect. Mm. Um, the second before, it was, it was, it was a. Uh, it could not be shown on HBO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Social media is not reality. Just no. a reminder. No, screaming. it's not. Behind every sweet picture is a screaming child. <laughs> uh, just a short story. So, you know, you talked about uh, everything's not for social media. When we had Jenny, we didn't post a picture for like, 
I don't know, 24, 30 hours afterwards, we were just like, this is our baby. You know, we had her at like 8.30 at night. And so we made it through like the night, the next day. And then the next morning we woke up and my dad was the one that's been like, well, you hurry up and post it so I can brag on my daughter, on my new granddaughter. I was like, dad, this is for, until we post this on Facebook, this is just our baby. Mm -hmm. Like it's just mine and Haley's baby, you know? Yeah, I remember. We, I, we I, got the picture, yeah. I got the picture in the text and did not see. I kept checking social media to see when it was going to pop up, and it, it, it didn't for a while. But yeah. uh, I will say this. Drew does have one of the cutest babies in the world, La Miss Jenny. Yes, real sweet, real cute. Looks like her mama, thankfully. Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> All right, last one. This might be my favorite one. Drew, do fat bottom girls really make the world go round? You dang right. Absolutely. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, Freddie Mercury may have loved the uh, the different sex, but he was right about this one. <laughs> he may have been attracted to his own sex, but he was dead on with this song, oh, man. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> uh, that that could be written in scripture. It's just true. <laughs> That's in the man laws 101, man. Fat bottom girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, that song was probably written by Brian May, not Freddie Mercury. No. <laughs> Freddie Mercury was like, are you sure? <laughs> Just trust right. me on this one, Fred. Just trust me on this one. You're going to want to sing it. Yeah. Uh, RIP to another legend, Mr. Yeah. Freddie Mercury there. Yeah. Before we dive in a little bit further, Drew, we got a little bit of exciting college news. Everybody knows, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, that we are a college golf podcast. Golf oh. first. That's all we talk about. College golf. We've been following it all year long. You know, we dove into it on a couple episodes ago, if you were paying attention. And your Mississippi State Bulldogs, men and women, both advanced out of the regionals, going to compete for a national championship in golf. Big shout out to our men's and women's golf teams winning today um, in the tournament to head forward. It wraps up on the 22nd. Uh, the men are going to head to Scottsdale. I'm not sure where the women are going to play at, but... Big shout out Mississippi State men's and women's golf. It is golf season after all. We're a golf school. This is a golf podcast. Go dogs. <laughs> uh yeah, Ole Miss lost in the in a playoff uh today in the semifinals. Uh, and so uh the uh on hole eight in the playoff. And so yeah, I know. We've got a national championship in golf already, so I guess we'll let you have one. <laughs> Hey, y'all got it. Y'all got that one. We'll get this one. We got baseball first, <laughs> then y'all got baseball. It's only fair, I guess. Uh, yeah. For the longest, you know, Mississippi State's men's baseball team won the first nas- team national championship in Mississippi State history. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was women's golf for us. It was our first <laughs> team national championship. Well, I guess you claim those I, football ones back in the season. yeah. Those those camps. that was back when like Alabama claimed like twelve before World War One like everybody shares national championships yeah, back that then. was like I I think it may have been before integration you know so <laughs> like and you know they gave ESPN gave Mississippi State one back in 1947 and we did go eight zero and one but that, we didn't win a national championship that year yeah I've got I kind of I claim Ole Miss's national championships uh, however. If there's not a championship game, they're kind of with an asterisk anyways. Yeah. You know, that's back in the day where whoever came out at the end, there wasn't a championship game. It was based on polls, and if you finished the year, that's why there were so many ties, like shared national championships, you know. Yeah, and uh, I just got a notification that Alabama has claimed another national championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I guess that makes 60. <laughs> yeah. Who's counting? 
Yeah. Um, and then one other little oddball news before we really address the elephant in the room that we need to address. Did you see that we had a second bird casualty on a baseball field today? No, I didn't. We have another Randy Johnson situation. We have another Randy Johnson situation. Oh, so I, all for our listeners, if you haven't seen it, it's a grainy 1990s video, but Randy Johnson in the middle of a spring training game rares back, and he was a flamethrower, known for his 100-plus mile-an-hour fastballs. Six-foot-10 left-handed pitcher threw it 101. Mullet, <laughs> mullet, big mustache, intimidating on the mound, gigantic Adam's apple because he was 6'10 and weighed 110. Yeah, um, big unit. Let, yeah, let go of a of a fastball, and about the time a, a pigeon decided to fly in the path of that ball, and if you haven't seen the video, you can imagine how it ends. All of a sudden, it's a ball of feathers. That's it, it was. It's almost as if it was cartoonish, mm-hmm. the way because you only see feathers burst like that in cartoons <laughs> but it was like the bird combusted and yeah. then you just see it rolling on the ground featherless while yeah. the feathers drop to the turf <laughs> absolutely he deleted that bird from this <laughs> yeah, atmosphere <laughs> yeah. it's one of the greatest sports anomalies of all time and i know PETA can you know yell at us whatever honestly if PETA retweets us that'd be great because awesome. that's <laughs> big, they've got a big following of nuthead <laughs> Uh, but it's one of the craziest things that's ever happened in sports. It's on the Mount Rushmore that you can hit a bird flying perpendicular to you with a 101 mile an hour fastball. You could give him 1 million tries to do it on purpose. Yeah. And he couldn't do it. I always said that that's a once in a lifetime thing. We will never see that again until today. Okay. Is this on Twitter? It's uh, I got a notification from ESPN about an hour ago is what made me think of what, how I found out about it. But Zach Gallen for the Arizona Diamondbacks was warming up um, and unintentionally he was uh, warming up in the outfield before Arizona's game in Oakland today. He threw a curveball to the catcher as the ball was coming in. Bird came in mid flight. R.I.P. said bird. The throw was captured by cameras. Um, so there should be a video out there. I have not seen the video. I just saw this about an hour ago when I was leaving the gym before we started uh, uh, our podcast here. But apparently it happens more than once. I just saw the video. Is it it's as a, it, iconic? No. He's, he's uh, long tossing in the outfield. And oh, it's yeah. caught from the bleachers. And so uh, it they do have it in slow motion with the bird highlighted. And... <clears throat> The bird lands at the catcher's feet, and you can tell he spends just a few seconds looking down like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> Look it up. It's on Barstool Sports. Jared Carabas has retweeted it. The, he's looking behind him for the ball as it goes skipping by and can't figure out why until he looks down at his feet, takes a moment to register, and then he starts hot-stepping around this bird that lands at his feet. Yeah, check our <laughs> Twitter feed. I will uh, retweet it from the Two Buck Sports Pod Twitter feed. Uh, yeah, somebody, uh, Barstool said, uh, Zach Gallon, Randy Johnston, the bird. (laughs) RIP to that bird uh, out in Oakland. It's probably the most exciting thing that happens at that Oakland ballpark tonight in front of about 1500 fans. Yeah. The, uh, the one fan that was there pregame to video, it was the only fan that watched the game afterwards. Yeah. And it's just sad. What a poverty franchise that even while they're, struggling to get attendance Uh, you've seen the video they still got ushers shooing people away from the entrance making sure they're in the right seats it's like guys this is why nobody comes to your games he's a bad baseball team poor ownership you're leaving and then you're going to go kick people out of standing in in front of an entrance ramp when there's like 400 people there (laughs) 
Oh, we're moving franchises. Nobody's coming to the games. All of our pets' heads are falling off. (laughs) (laughs) Harry, I'll take care of it. All right, Drew, we might as well go ahead and get into the elephant in the room. We have had yet another disappointing video come out with Ja Moran. If you've been living under a rock for the last few days, you hadn't seen it. Ja was on Instagram on an Instagram live, not his this time, but his buddy D-Tap, who has been involved in every single incident that Ja has been a part of, from the fight to the Pacers incident. He's banned from the forum for um, for running his mouth. Now, D-Tap was on Instagram Live. They were dancing, having fun to a song. Turns to Ja, turns the camera back to him. He looks at Ja and then turns the camera briefly to Ja, holding up what looks like a grainy, another pistol, before he quickly turns the camera off. And Twitter does what Twitter does, and it was a screenshot within 30 seconds of it happening. And Ja has been suspended from all Grizzly activities until further notice. Yeah, so... uh... See, Sunday was Mother's Day, so I woke up thinking I was going to have a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when I woke up, I had a notification that uh, from a buddy who it was the first one to send it to us, where Ja has flashed another gun. And uh, you're right, the, the video was was grainy, but let's be honest, it was a gun. I mean, yeah. it's clearly and obviously a gun. Um, Detail had gone live on Instagram and uh, flashed over to Ja, and they were dancing in the car. You know, they had just left his sister's graduation and uh, flashed back over again, and Ja's got a gun in his hand. And, and his buddy, you know, tried to stop real quick. I mean, he knew that was not a good idea. And, you know, Devontae Pack is the guy's name. Um, he's caught a lot of flack. And rightfully so, you know, he was the one that was banned from the FedEx forum for that Pacers incident where he shined a laser into the bus and everybody thought they were pointing a gun at him, you know, just, and it all started on that during that game where he got mouthy with play with Pacers players because he was sitting courtside and there was kind of a scuffle, just kind of bringing a lot of yeah exposure to him to himself and his circle that included jaw which is what we thought at the time that jaw was just has a bad friends you know and uh this one's on jaw though like i don't i'm not going to blame DTAP at all on this uh sure maybe your friends would encourage you not to have a gun with you however in the state of tennessee um you can lawfully carry a firearm with you in your car um not smart to do per se, but I know in our southern roots where we're at, it is more than common mm-hmm. to have a firearm in your vehicle for protection. And so I, I'm a staunch defender of the Second Amendment. It and so like Jock can carry whatever he wants. It's the context, right? He's already told Adam Silver he was going to clean his act up. Right. He's already been in trouble for it once. And your employers, the Grizzlies, Nike, and the NBA, all three have a pretty firm stance against firearms, on, especially the Grizz and the NBA, on trips, on social media, being seen with them. There's some pretty firm boundaries around that. And that's what makes this one different. On one hand, 
it's not as bad because he's not in a nightclub. He didn't mm-hmm. take a team plane out to Denver. Right. Uh, he's in his personal vehicle or DTAP's vehicle. I don't know whose vehicle it was. I think Ja was uh, driving. Yeah. Um, either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, private property. Uh, it's stupid because don't ever flash your gun at anybody. That's one thing I was taught as a kid from my dad, who is also a staunch Second Amendment guy. Um, don't pull a gun unless you got to use it. You know, it's stupid. Uh, on the other hand, what makes this infinitely worse, which is common sense, is that you've done this before. You've apologized for this. You've seek treatment because of this. And I, I did air quotes because he did two yeah. days of treatment, which was probably more of a publicity thing than anything. Um, he has apologized. He has, you know, said he was going to do better, but went and made it two months and you've done it again. And so, you know, the, the scary part is I don't know what's going to happen because Nike got dangerously close to having some real hard conversations with Ja, or real conversations were had, I'm sure, but they were real close to making some real hard decisions after the first time with showing a gun in a nightclub. Um, I don't know what happens. I mean, anything's on the table. You know, he could lose his shoe deal. Uh, he's already lost $40 million in contract incentives because it cost him an all-NBA team. Um, he could get suspended, and he could get suspended for a long time, uh, which would mean he would, if he gets suspended for a long time, more, anything over 17 games, he's automatically, mm-hmm. you know, booted for all NBA consideration or any kind of postseason awards. And so, um, that's not hitting your contract incentive again. And so it, it's a mess and there's really no one to blame here, but Ja. and I'm going to stop shy of calling him an idiot. I mean, what he did was idiotic. This dude is a good kid who rate was raised from a good home. That just seems like he's going through it right now. And Mm -hmm. he's got to get right. Um, what he's done is inexcusable. It's stupid. It's immature. It's somebody that, that's just at best not thinking, but at worst doesn't care. Yeah. And I think that's what bugs me the most. Like even a child for the most part, when they're chastised in a big public way or a big, big way knows not to do it again. And for Ja to go out there, it feels almost like either self-sabotage or just complete lack of awareness. And again, money apparently is not a big incentive for him. He's already been suspended eight games. And what I'm kind of hearing through the grapevine and seeing on Twitter and different things, they're looking at probably a 15 to 20 game suspension. And it just depends on whether or not they want to punish him further by keeping him off of postseason award lists again, which the NBA's prerogative. Well, let's be honest. If he's suspended 10 games, that probably takes him off the award list anyways because he's not a guy that stayed healthy. He's not played 82 games ever. You know, he's never played 75 games or 70 games ever. You know, and even this year, he had the he had the stats to be on an at least all NBA third team. You can't look at how he played and not put him on a third team. And it was a statement that they didn't put him on there. And so I think that. Something's going on. Something's up. Um, you know, Drew, on this podcast, not even two weeks ago, we did our Grizzlies exit interviews. I said, I don't want to hear Jaw's name all summer. And it's yeah. not even officially summer yet. And we've already heard. We've already got an incident, right? Yeah. And so it's that frustrating. Was a, that episode was two weeks ago. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Two weeks ago. 
I said, I don't want to hear Cha's name all summer. And May the May 21st is officially summer, and we we've already got an incident. And so, right. and I think like two, what makes it even worse, and it, this obviously wasn't intentional, it's just dudes being dude. But like you look at Jaren's Instagram post, and you look at Desmond's Instagram post lately, and like Jaren's just chilling with Brandon Clark, trying to get well. Des just had surgery, but before that, was hanging out with Mikael Bridges. Like they're just being dudes, and they're just doing the right thing. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, maybe Dez is out recruiting Mikael Bridges to come to Memphis. Um, Jaron is helping Brandon Clark buy a new car. He bought him a Corvette. Um, it's a beautiful car if you didn't see it on Jaron and no, at BC's Instagram. Uh, but those guys are like, they're just laying low and just enjoying life as young kids who are millionaires and with the world at their fingers. And then we have Ja, who's out sabotaging. And what this, and the last thing I'll say, I'll wrap up. Like the two things that bug me the most is bad for the city of Memphis because there's already a bad reputation there. Right. We're, we're not even six months removed from the young Dolph incident. And like, that's what people see and they think about Memphis and it sucks that this perpetuates that false idea of what Memphis actually is. It's a great blue collar city with a rich history, food scene, music scene. And then number two, it hurts the Grizz in free agency because like, you know, if I'm a big time free agent, I'm looking for a team to go win a championship. I look at Memphis with this young core. I'm like, man, that's a great opportunity. But who knows if Ja's going to be there the full season or is Ja going to get suspended or whatever's going to happen? Like, that's not a good look. I still think we'll trade Tyus. I don't think it messes with our trade options very much. But I could see it impacting some of our free agent signings because of the instability it creates. Yeah, there's no doubt. And obviously they're going to wait until they find out what the punishment is before they make any final decisions. Mm-hmm. I agree with you about Tyus. I think that long term, for long to meet your long term goals, you do uh, go ahead and put Tyus on the block yep. and see what you can get for him, unless he gets suspended for like forty games. You know, then then you pivot. Um, yeah. To close out for me, it's just disappointing. Uh, you hit on a couple. Of, topics i wanted to hit on there was so much the end of the season was hard and there was a lot of reasons to be optimistic this last week for what you just said you know you've got got dez taking selfies with mikhail bridges and not that mikhail bridges can make make the trade happen but you know that there's a relationship there and it's something to get excited about and and you know this is such a team that's been so low-key for so long and you know, you've got a group of guys that that don't go out. That was kind of the the whole thing. It's like we were a low-key team. We talked a lot of trash, but, you know, that's just being competitors. Uh, yeah. But now you've got a bunch of guys in a locker room that are all good guys for the most part uh, that you know of anyways. And then you've got Ja. And yeah. I'm scared that you lose the locker room. You yeah. saw a culture problem. At there the were end cracks of the in the foundation and we, at the end of the year. Absolutely. And every, everybody wanted to blame that on Dylan. But now that it's happened again, John's going to get that. And, and rightfully so. I mean, right. it's come out. You know, we've talked about it on this podcast that right before he went out in Denver, that Stephen Adams held a players-only meeting saying, we need to be more responsible when we're on the road. Our road record sucks, and it's because we party too hard. I believe that's one person. And he didn't care. And he went out and he flashed a, night, uh, a gun in a nightclub. And so... Culture only goes as far as your star player, just like win, winning in the NBA. You only go as far as your star player. Uh, coaches get the grief if the team sucks, and the player gets all the credit if the team wins. Yep. And uh, the culture will go no further than John Morant allows it to. And so he's got to get his head on straight, and nobody's asking him. 
I am not asking him to be a saint. Yeah. You know, I know $200 million affords you a lot of luxuries and you can do a lot of stuff. Yep. However, you've got to be let business be business and pleasure be pleasure. And you can't let pleasure affect business. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't care if you're an upstanding citizen. I've said this and sports are icky and I don't, you know, my favorite team just uh, employed an alleged wife beater, spouse abuser as their basketball coach. Um, and sports is about winning. I mean, that's what it is. And it's not right, but that's the business. And so I don't ever ask Ja to be perfect or yeah. go to church every Sunday or, you know, feed the hungry. You know, I just ask yeah. him to stay out of trouble. Don't make the story about you and just be there for your team. Be yeah. as good a basketball player as you can be. Stay out of trouble. And um, and the other guys will follow behind you. But you've got a lot of young guys on this team. And we don't need them following around, following behind our star player right now. No, it's kind of painfully obvious that this is right now is Jaron and Dez's team. They're the leaders right. that are showing up. They're the ones doing the right thing. And Josh has got to get himself together. Johnny's get off and stay off social media. Nothing good has happened on social media. Nothing good ever happens on social media, but especially this these two incidents with Ja. And just get his head right, man. Take the summer, get in the gym, get in the lab, you know, work out with some guys, reconnect with Jaron and Dez, because they used to hang out a lot in their early, early in their careers and they haven't been as much. Ja's been more with his little inner circle there. Um and, and just get your act right before we start, you know, fall camp later, summer camp later this year. How do you think is he can get back on the right side of the narrative. Do you think there's anything that can happen other than just staying out of trouble for an extended amount of time? I don't think like, you know, he can go donate all the money in the world to anti-gun violence or the city of Memphis and all that. And it may help a little, but unless he goes an extended period without a boneheaded incident, I don't think so. I think I agree with you. I think the only solution here to rehabbing your image is to just not get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and let your basketball play in your, I mean, you're absolutely incredible. Yeah. You're an incredible basketball player. That is a message that is your path forward and you can do it better than 99.9% of anybody on this world. Mm -hmm. And so just go do that. And I got the, I got the notification the other night, uh, on like those Instagram memories of when I posted that we had we had gotten the second pick and then we had taken John Morant with that second pick and just how excited you and I were via text that night. And my, my buddy, Micah, big Grizz fan, he and I were talking about it. Like they're so excited around that. I miss those days. And I think we can get back to that. If he just behaves, just gets his head, right. Stays off social media for a while. Well, this will be a good segue into our next topic. Cause I'm sure we're going to talk about the draft lottery that happened yep. last night. Yeah, but I remember where I was at at that draft lottery. You know, hope springs eternal when you're in the lottery. You know, you come off of when you're in the lottery, you're coming off a season that's a disappointment, and all you can do is look forward to the draft lottery because maybe that's your savior. Right. And the Grizzlies played out that season with DeLon Wright and some guys, and and tried to win as much as they could, and they ended with the ninth or tenth best odds at the number one pick. And right. and so when that draft lottery comes, they start at fourteen. And what you want to what you want to hear when they get to pick ten where you're supposed to pick is any other team because right. if they if, it, if it's any other team that means you've got a top three pick yeah and in that draft it was Zion Ja or R J Barrett yeah and when 
we were not there at pick 10, it was absolute hysteria in my apartment in Jackson, Mississippi by myself. I was dating Haley at the time. I called her. I was like, you just got to listen to me react to this because this is the big, and she didn't care anything about it at the time. Uh, and, uh, I remember when the third pick got posted yeah. and it was the Knicks and I was like crap we're gonna get Zion <laughs> that's what I was thinking I, was like, I want Zion I want Zion and then the Grizzlies show up with a second pick and I kind of dropped my head for a minute like oh crap we didn't get Zion and then like a half second later it's like we got Ja yeah and from that moment to six weeks ago yeah it's it's climbed you know yeah and um I remember where I was at. I remember my buddy Mike and I, Twitter was blowing up. Like I kind of had that same moment of, man, we didn't get Zion. But as soon as I pulled up Twitter and everybody's talking John Morant, you look up his highlight reel, you figure out like, holy smokes, like this guy is a dude and it's got real potential. And I'll, you know, of the three, I, so far production wise, and I think we got, the, we got the best pick going away. If he can just get out of his own way, Zion had been healthy. RJ hasn't really panned out. He just Josh just got to get out of his own way, and he could be a like a a generational type talent. So far, it's it's been KD uh, Greg Oden level of yeah. disparity between one and two, right? Or you know Michael Jordan versus um oh shoot uh what uh, Portland oh, yeah. um oh that's that I mean that tells you okay yeah <laughs> you <laughs> that's know? all you need to know uh yeah uh, I have forgotten his name but it'll come to me in a minute. Um, but you know, that's how fortunate we were. You know, you look at, at how it's all worked out, you know, in that Kevin Durant draft, the Grizzlies went, did not win the lottery. They had the worst record in the league and they got the fourth pick. Yeah. Uh, they, if they got the one, first pick, they could have gotten Kevin Durant. I mean, uh, they would have taken Greg Oden. Yeah. Uh, instead we got the fourth pick and we got somebody whose number will be retired in FedEx forum within the next few years. Mike Conley, you know, if we got the number one pick in Jaren's draft, we would have taken DeAndre Ayton, and we all know how that would have been. So. <laughs> it's not going well for those of you not watching the yeah. NBA right now. Uh, but, yeah, perfect segue into last night. We got the draft order last night. Um, number one fell to the San Antonio Spurs. They won the Wimbiyama, um Sweepstakes, for those of you who don't really know, he's a French basketball player. Woj called him the great, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, basketball prospect of all time. The guy's seven foot four with a seven foot nine wingspan. He moves really well. He's smart. He's just skinny. And he needed a place where he could go develop. And Drew and I have talked about this a little bit off air. Like the the big the big three <clears throat> that really had a shot, or the big four was Detroit, Portland, Charlotte, and San Antonio. And those of you even casually NBA uh, in Houston, Houston, Houston had right. the, the, the three teams with the yeah. best chance was Houston, Detroit, and San Antonio. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and those of you even casual basketball fans know that San Antonio has developed some of the greatest players of all time. Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, these guys that were relative Bruce Bowen, Robert Ory, these guys that are relatively unknowns that became these legendary basketball players versus – the Charlotte Hornets, the Detroit Pistons, who have a, a storied history, but a remote history outside of one off uh, an NBA title back in the early 2000s because of Ben Wallace and his Afro um, and the Houston Rockets, who have not been great recently. And so best case scenario for Wimby was to go to San Antonio. And that's exactly what happened last night. Yeah. So if you looked at the reactions, so the last two picks 
or the last three picks uh, because Detroit fell all the way to four. Houston was third, and when the Houston card was pulled, you saw Wimbenyama. There was a camera on him, and he fist-bumped. He did not want to go to Houston. Mm-hmm. And then Charlotte uh, got the number two pick. That's just a poverty franchise. Michael Jordan has done such a poor job there as the owner that he's selling it. Um, and that meant San Antonio. And if you saw the camera that ESPN had on him, when they pulled the San Antonio card, it was pure elation. And for good reason. You you have just noted how well they have done developing players. Uh, one more layer to that is they were the one of the first franchises to go foreign with their players. Mm-hmm. They've got Tony Parker, who is French, mm-hmm. who is arguably a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, Tim Duncan is from uh, a Caribbean island. Like, uh, right. Um, yeah. Barbados? Where is he from? Yeah, something like that. I mean, he was a swimmer in college, you know. Right, at Wake and, Forest. Yeah, and so they had the best track record of any team that was in the lottery. If you're in the lottery, typically you stink. That's how it works, you know. <laughs> and for San Antonio the were there take, for a number of years. <laughs> yeah, for for them to take a one-year hiatus from competing for a playoff spot to get Victor Wimbanyama, that's just an absolute hit. I mean, it could not have worked better for Wimby. Uh, I will say that, you know, as a Grizzlies fan, I'd rather him gone to somewhere in the East. Yeah. But, you know. As a fan of basketball. Yeah, for a fan of basketball to have him coached by Popovich in that organization with the culture that they have, it is the best for his career. I would be stunned if we have a Greg Oden situation. Yeah. Or, um you know, you so many times players are mismanaged because of injury, you know, especially at that height. Uh, they'll do right by him. He yeah. will, if he is going to thrive in the NBA, like Woj says, like every analyst who's slobbering right now mm-hmm. says that he will, he will do, he will reach his max potential at San Antonio. And that's yeah. good for basketball. I agree. It's it's good as a basketball fan to see great players go to great organizations to be developed. And let's see what, I mean, could he be the next, you know, Wilt Chamberlain, LeBron James, Michael Jordan? I don't know, but I think he has a better shot of being that in San Antonio than he does in Charlotte or in Detroit or Houston or even Portland. Like, you know, Portland I, I had I, a bad run of big man injuries with, yeah. uh, with Greg Oden, like we've mentioned, and Bill and Walton. And, and don't forget, uh, they had Brandon Roy, who's one of the best, right. like, just pure shooting shooting guards with back in the long shorts era, and he, that knee just never would heal. And so, I, you know, is that, like, the Tennessee Titans struggle with injuries because of a poor strength and conditioning staff? Is that what it is? Who knows? All I know is San Antonio and Pop get the best out of people. The rich get richer. And I think this is a good opportunity for Wimby to develop and to watch Ja put him on a poster for the next, you know, 10, 12 years. Yeah. And as a Grizzlies fan, I'm not going to be mad that I get to watch him play more. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a war down the road for Western Conference Finals, but great. You know, they know yeah. who you want to go against. Let's go. As a, you know, as a Grizzlies fan, you, uh, you watched LeBron for the bulk of his career playing the East. And if he came to Memphis, he probably wasn't playing. You're not going to get that from Wimby. If he's playing, he's going to be playing against Memphis because even though divisions don't matter for standings anymore, they're in the same division. You play them four times a year. Yeah. You're going to see Wimby play in FedEx for him. 
And it'd be great watching J- I think Jaron can match up with him. You know, yeah. maybe he's got some height on him, but that's a, that's going to be defensive player of the year, Jaron Jackson, against a potential future, offensive weapon. Future defensive player of the year in Wimby. Yeah. I mean, that could be a phenomenal matchup, man. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I, expectations like that always give me pause. Sure. Just because how often, I mean, in our lifetime, only one person has lived up, has gotten the kind of hype that Wimby's gotten and lived up to it. And it's LeBron James. Right. And you're saying that Wimby as a prospect is the best prospect since Lou Alcindor. Yeah. That's saying he's a better prospect than LeBron James. That is salt. mean for yeah. a seven foot five guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Yao Ming is a hall of famer at seven five, but his career was not long. No. And you think about other guys that are seven, five plus Sean Bradley, Manute bowl, 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 taco fall. Like these guys just don't typically pan out. And he's special. I mean, don't, don't, he is far and away better than any of those players you just mentioned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, you've got a, it seems like the longer those ligaments are, you know, <laughs> the easier they are to tear. So we need to do a whole episode on injuries. Cause as a PT, I can talk about why that's the case, but I'll, I'll, I'll save you tonight and we're going to wish, wish the best on Wimby's knees and feet for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to see him have a great career and I want to see some wars with him because he is a generational talent mm-hmm. and we don't root for injuries on this podcast. No, we do not. And I want them healthy and I want to watch him have a good long career. But speaking of long careers, we've had some careers shortened. Uh, we're going to transition a little bit, talk about some NBA coaching vacancies. And I, I just got a hypothetical for you. So Black Monday, Black Friday hit hard this weekend. You know, there's that that Black Sunday at the end of the NFL season right. when all the coaches get their walking papers. Well, we had that this weekend at the end of the at some of the road for some of these big time coaches. And you know, the last three seasons, the teams with the best record no longer have their head coach. Budenholz from Milwaukee's gone. Doc Rivers is gone from Philly. Monty Williams is gone from Phoenix, and then Nick Nolte in Toronto. So a, a former. NBA uh, Nick Nolte. Sorry, completely oh messed goodness. that name up. <laughs> Nick Nolte was the head coach of the Raptors. Wow, what a bad drop there. <laughs> Nurse. <laughs> um, Nick Nurse. Thank you, golly. Good grief. What you a, couldn't have been more wrong about that one. It is the week. Yeah. <laughs> I said it so confidently too. Well, there's the there's the title of the podcast right there. Yeah, Nick Nolte <laughs> for head coach. Yeah. Thank you. I was I was in the ballpark. Nick Nurse. So, um, have lost their their jobs as NBA head coaches in a very much what have you done for me lately league. And so, what are you just off the cuff first thoughts on some of these vacancies, some of these coaches being fired? Anything that stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, it's very much a what have you done for me lately thing. And it's very much a, uh, <laughs> uh, it's very much uh, how have you done in the playoffs? So you look at Doc Rivers. I wish I had the stats in front of me, the exact stats, but basically, he has lost more three to one series leads than anybody ever. He's lost more three to two series leads than anybody ever. And Joel Embiid is the first MVP to not make it to the conference finals. You stole my thunder. My joke was going to be when we talk about the conference finals that we're still here, unlike the NBA MVP, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that writing was on the wall. I mean, that he was going to be gone. Uh, They did it two years in a row. 
at some point you just need a new voice in the locker room. And Doc Rivers also, you didn't mention, he's also the worst all-time head coach in Game 7. So he's something like 0 for 10 or 0 for 9. He's never, like, his Game right. 7, he's so bad in Game 7s. Uh, and that's just not acceptable. I mean, Doc Rivers was named as one of the top 15 coaches of all time with that on his resume in one championship. Like that's which that's is hard not, to believe. Yeah. But then again, like I think you and I could have won a championship with that Celtics team. I mean with three generational talents. Right. It just hadn't done much else. I'm I I'll, to be honest, I'm not a huge Doc Rivers fan. I think he's a good coach, but I'm not like he's not no, like, I mean I think he's an overrated coach. It's coaching right. in big markets. You know? Yes. Yes. Um Nick Nurse is surprising to me. Uh he has won a championship at Toronto. It hasn't gone well the last two seasons. Right. Uh, I think unquestionably he's one of the best coaches in the league. Excellent. He's already the front runner for the Milwaukee job. Right. Uh, Budenholzer uh, was surprising to me because just two years ago he won a championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giannis statements after they lost in the first round to Miami did not help. You know he he made the comment that they should uh, run some be more creative offensively. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, Monty Williams, again, you got blown out in back-to-back playoff uh, playoff elimination games. You'll, First coach to lose two back-to-back elimination games by, I think, 30-plus in NBA history. Yeah, it, that was embarrassing. And that was a new owner as well. Yeah. And so uh, – So you knew the lease was going to be short there, particularly yeah. with – because they, they – I mean, they pushed all their chips in the middle of the trade deadline, right? They went all in on right. – KD and this season, and then for it to fizzle out and get blown out by the Nuggets is not how he saw that going. Yeah, and of course Dwayne Casey was out at Detroit. He's been out, you know. Um, it's have interesting. Seen, have I you think seen you the, could, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Have you seen the front runner for the Raptors job, whose name I, keeps coming up? Yeah, I saw JJ Redick interviewed for it. And uh, for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen another name. She has already addressed it in a press conference. Becky, Becky Hammond. Hammond is getting a lot of traction that she could be the first female head coach for the Toronto Raptors. Who is currently just got suspended for two games for making some kind of disparaging comment about one of her players who just had a baby or something in contract talks. And so yeah. you don't have to deal with that if you go to the NBA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I, what I think you could see is just a big musical chairs. I mean, there's, I don't think with the exception of doc rivers and I don't think he's that great of a coach, uh, Bud, good coach, Monty Williams, good coach, Nick nurse, mm-hmm. good coach. Yeah. Um, I mean, Budenholz, I mean, sorry, Nick nurse was, you know, rumored to go to, you know, be a favorite in Milwaukee. Um, Philly's going to have talks with all those folks. Philly actually see doc rivers, uh, surface in Phoenix with KD and Chris Paul. I mean, yeah, but you know how Doc Rivers and Chris Paul ended in the playoffs every year as well. That's fair. And, and for the Clippers, I don't know. Uh, a name to watch is Ty Lu. Yeah, I think that he is going to leave. Yeah, if if given the opportunity to leave, uh, he is one of the top five best coaches and game managers in yeah. the NBA. No doubt. And if you could get Ty Lue to coach Giannis or you get Ty Lue to, uh, to um, Toronto where they've just got a ton of young talent or Phoenix, 
with Kevin Durant. I mean, that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what happens. You've got this year more than ever. You've got big jobs open. Mm-hmm. And do you think Taylor Jenkins gets a call for any of the jobs? No, I don't think so. You just don't see that very often in the NBA. And the only job that would make me nervous would be Milwaukee because that's where he came from. That's the only thing I thought of. But that that works against him as well because he's from the Boonholzer tree, but they just fired Boonholzer. Right. You know, Um, you know, so I think that he's good enough and I think he's got the cachet to get an interview if he wanted one. But one, I don't think he wants one. And because if that information gets out, especially as volatile as the Grizzlies locker room is right now, uh, it's just not good for the team, and no. you couldn't come back from it. It's one of those things, if you're going to interview for the job, you better take it yeah. kind of thing. Yep. Um, so, no, I don't I don't think that Taylor Jenkins goes anywhere. Mainly, and, you know, his playoff record doesn't help much either. Right. Um, and so right, – right, uh, But hypothetically, if he got an interview of the coaches that are available, who would you want in Memphis? Nick Nurse. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Nick Nurse and Monty Williams would be my first two answers. Yeah, Monty Williams kind of uh, – sometimes I think he's too good of a guy. He got walked over a lot at sure. Phoenix. And, of course, that may be just the culture. I mean, with the owner that hired him that, you know, ultimately got fired yeah. for being <laughs> a horrible person. Um, I just uh, – I'm happy with Taylor Jenkins. I want to keep I Taylor agree. Jenkins. You know, this, first, I'm not saying I want but, him gone for our listeners right. and coach Taylor. If you listen to this, I know you're a big fan of the podcast. I don't want you gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, come on sometime. We'd love to have you. Love we, to have you. We won't talk about any of jaws off the field issues. None. And so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you've got big market job or not big market jobs per se, but big time big jobs, jobs with big time stars on the team that are looking for coaches. And even Toronto, like as bad as they've been the last couple of years, they're only a piece or two or a coach away from like being right back in the thick of the East again because they do have some young talent in OG who might be a future Grizz, Gary Trent Jr. Like there's some good jobs out there and James Harden wants out of Philly, but you still have the NBA MVP and I'm using air quotes there um, and Joel Embiid and and some some good players and Moxie that can that can score. I mean Philly is still right in the top of the East even without James Harden. Yeah, you go coach James Harden and expect a championship at your own, you know, on your yes, own dime. Absolutely. You know, because because I'm not going to back that. You know, no, he's already small game. James came up again, went three for eleven in an, in a, an elimination game. And like, and, oh my gosh, like read the room because then you got Joel Embiid in his post game interview saying like, we need our teammates to step up. If I'd have been DeAnthony Melton or somebody, I've been staying in the locker room, pointing at the stat sheet, reminding him that he and James Harden went five for twenty nine in an elimination game. Miss me with that. I need my teammates to step up. Yeah, Joel Embiid's kind of taking a heel turn, you know, because he was always like the ultimate team guy. You know, he mm-hmm. he, you know, mouthed the right message in the in post game. You know, he he always took the blame as a star player. I got to be better. This last couple of years, you know, I guess the MV, him not getting the MVP, he kind of heel turned a little bit, and he totally threw his his general manager and his teammates under the bus, saying, "Me and James can't do it ourselves," which. <laughs> Which is fine. You know, you go say that if you carried your end of the bargain. If you're throwing a triple-double or a 30-piece every night and, and like, his he had the worst regression in NBA history. He went from – he dropped by almost 10 points per game. 
His free throws went down almost eight, which is a sign of the NBA doesn't call quite as much of the flops in the playoffs they do in the regular season. But he regressed way back from the regular season in the playoffs. You do not then have the right to sit up there at that microphone, not that you ever would in a team sport, and throw your team teammates under the bus. Like It's just such a bad look for an MVP that a lot of people didn't think deserved the MVP to begin with when you've got a walking triple-double still playing in the conference finals. Yeah, and it's not like Lucas saying he doesn't have any help in being right. Right. You know, before the Kyrie trade. Yeah. You know, Luka never had any help. Uh, Philly went out and got James Harden for him. You yeah. know, that that was, you know, Joel Embiid had a say in that. Yep. You know, they've done stuff to make Embiid happy, as they should have, you know. Uh, and to just go up there and kind of wave that off like it didn't happen, and despite having the worst game of the series in an elimination game, game yeah. seven, Mm. Uh, it's just it, it doesn't sit well with me and um, still love Joel Embiid you know I still he's still a ton of fun to watch for me uh, and I love DeAnthony Melton mm. um, he did what he does in the playoffs as well um, what he does best yeah yeah I show <laughs> yeah. up and, and so yeah so back to the coaches it'd be interesting to see how it plays out yeah uh, yeah. I think you could just have a bunch of musical chairs it, or you're going to have some good coaches that are just analysts next year, which is, you know, Doc Rivers should probably go apply to be on inside the NBA on TNT. What I was just about to say, <laughs> go ahead and put him up there with Shaq and, and, and Charles Barkley and let him, let him uh, kind of egg them guys on. But, yeah. um, but speaking of basketball, we still got basketball being played, man. And a quick little sidebar, it keep, it surfaced up again this week. One of my favorite, uh, Nikola Jokic stories. Jokic. Uh, yeah, Jokic. We'll have to get you a pronunciation guide. Oh, listen, man, I went to public school <laughs> state of Mississippi. Man. Come on. Um, but Jokic went on. Uh, so he was playing. They're playing the Jazz a couple years ago, and Jamal Murray was on a podcast and was talking about it. And he passes the ball into to the Joker, who catches the ball just outside the post, and Gobert, who was the reigning defensive uh, player of the year at the time. Runs up to him yelling, I got him, I got him, I got him. And as they make contact and late in the game, again, Jokic has the ball and says, brother, I have 47. (laughs) (laughs) The most calm demeanor, like, what do you want from me, right? Like, you don't got nothing. I've got 47. I can score as many as I want. And he was on display again last night with a massive triple-double, 30-plus points, 20-plus rebounds, 14 assists. Just had had a day last night. Uh, as the the Nuggets hung on, they had a massive lead, <clears throat> had a over 100 at the end of the third, and ended up winning by less than 10. I think it was what like yeah. a seven or eight point six. ball game, six point six. ball game. Yeah, the it was it back. was a three point game late with the Lakers yeah. having the ball. Yeah, so Jokic had you know he had 34, 21, and 14, which is just incredible. And you know he is the best player on the planet. You know Joel Embiid got the MVP this year and. Sure, he deserved it um, rather than give Jokic three in a row. Uh, but Jokic is the best player in the league. And the player that's probably the X factor, according to most people, was Anthony Davis in this series. In the playoffs, when he's been great, the team has won. And when he's been bad, the team has lost. I mean, it's that simple when it comes to the Lakers. It's it's totally dependent on how Anthony Davis does. Last night was the exception. Uh, he had a great 40 points on 23 shots and 10 rebounds. And in the during the course of the game, the Lakers were down 21. 
Uh, they did come back and make it competitive and had a shot to win, and they needed every bit of it from AD, and it was short. So could it be that everybody has slept on the best team in the West, the number one seed in the playoffs? Somehow. <laughs> yeah, somehow we've let our ESPN narratives sway what really we should have expected out of the series. Because they were drooling over LeBron and his legacy, and this might be his best championship and all this, and completely forgetting that they had to play at Denver. And that's what's tough. You know, he's texting with a buddy today. They had, they took 80's best shot. And so far in the playoffs, like you were saying, when 80 has a monster game, they win. We had a monster game last night, and it wasn't enough because. Jokic was doing his thing. Jamal Murray had a good game. They were distributing the basketball. Contavious Caldwell-Pope had his uh, revenge game last night. KCP just was going off in the third and fourth quarter, just draining threes left and right on his former team, the Lakers. Um, And it was like they forgot that the Nuggets were a really good basketball team. Because if you watched any of the talking heads for the last week, it has been all Laker talk. And the Nuggets took that insert Michael Jordan meme here. They took that personally. Yeah, and the the Nuggets didn't exactly make it easy on themselves late. They they let Anthony Davis guard Aaron Gordon in the corner for the whole game, which led to Anthony Davis just being able to play free safety back there yeah. instead of putting Aaron Gordon in motion on offense or using him as a screener and picking rolls. They really exposed themselves, and it, it showed it late when the Lakers started making their comeback. Yep. And Absolutely. so, look, you've got to fix that. And if they fix that, I mean, this may be a lopsided series. However, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself because, as the old adage is, the series don't start till someone loses at home. Yep. And um, you see Golden State did it in uh, in their first-round series against Sacramento where they lost both games in Sacramento to start the series. Uh, only to uh, even the series on their – on their home court, you know, defending their home court. And so the series don't start till you lose at home. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. not going to be a sweep. It's not going to be done in five. It's going to be a competitive series and we'll see what happens. But I do believe while saying that it'll be competitive, the people have really just kind of the narrative because Vegas didn't back it up, but the narrative really disrespected the nuggets uh, because they are good. I mean, they're, they're real good, they're, and they've got they're good because of Jokic. Yeah, he makes that team go, Drew. But they are deep in their role players: KCP, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray. They've got uh, Uncle Jeff Green. They've got some guys who are good role basketball players. And the Lakers have been riding the hot streak of Austin Reeves and Rui Hashimura for a long time. And those guys are going to come back. They're going to regress to the mean at some point. And they didn't have the best games last night. You know, Reeves hit some big shots late to get him back in it. Rui was better on defense last night than he was offense. Um, There was a stat today that uh, I think he defended Jokic like three times and he was like over three on field goals. (laughs) Put Rui on for the rest of the series, which is a terrible idea. Um, But the the Nuggets just have some role players that are, are, are clutch. They play really good basketball, and they had a chip on their shoulder last night, I think, because they came in disrespected. They were the underdog as the one seed in the eyes of the media. They were the underdog on their home court where they are, you know, undefeated they are in the playoffs. Like they just they maul people in Denver, the altitude, Jokic, whatever. Um, 
it, again, it's going to be a competitive series, but I think it's one that Denver's going to win in in the long run. I agree with you. Um, what are your thoughts on the series that is underway? Uh, game one is underway right now between Boston yep. and Miami. You got any yeah. uh, any overarching thoughts as themes for this series, what you're looking for? I think Boston obviously is the better team. Uh, Jason Tatum, in a, in a weird interview, said, I, I'm humbly one of the best basketball players in the world in a game where he went like he started like three for 19, ended up with a decent game. And then only to follow that up with a game seven performance of a lifetime with 51 in an elimination game against the Sixers and just completely backed that talk up. So kudos, Jason Tatum. They're finally healthy, really, at the right time. I kind of want to see Jimmy Butler play for a title again, man. I love Jimmy Butler. I sent you a, the, the 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 video of him on Instagram. It's Jimmy Butler Day. Like, I love Jimmy Butler. He's great content. He's a walking bucket in big games. I just don't think Miami has enough to keep with the keep up with the C's. I really don't. Yeah, to take it back to your Jason Tatum, his comment that he made, I loved it personally because no, it yeah. was it was a humbling it was a humble statement and it was showing his mindset. And it's what the mindset that I hope Ja has one day if he's got an off day. When you can look at yourself and it's like, man, I'm not shooting the ball well. Uh, this is a potential. I mean, we've got to have this game to force a game seven. They were down three, two. I don't have it today. And he just said to himself, I'm one of the best players in the league. Have confidence and shoot the ball. Like you're going to make it. And Mm -hmm. in that fourth quarter, he went totally berserk. Uh, conversely, Philadelphia pee down their leg. Yeah, because he Jason Tatum uh, outscored the Sixers by himself. <laughs> yeah, they just absolutely wet the bed. And then to go out in Game 7 and have 51 points, set the NBA record for most points in a Game 7, and just rip their heart out. It was yeah. – he is, That game was over at halftime. He had 25 at halftime, and they could have called the series then. Yeah, as for the series, storyline-wise, sure, it would be nice to, uh, to see the eight-seed Miami Heat knock off the Celtics. However, I'm rooting for the Celtics for one reason, and it's because I want the regular season to matter. Yeah. I don't, you know, Miami coasted, and the same thing the Lakers did, the same thing the Warriors did. Uh, What's left in these semifinal matchups, you've got the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Celtics, and the Heat. Two of the four teams, one from each side, mailed it in during the regular season. They rested. They took their time and entered the postseason way underseeded and uh, are playing their best basketball of the season. That's Miami and L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got Boston and Denver who played like every game mattered in the regular season. And just mentality-wise, I appreciate that. I respect that. And that's what I want to see in the finals. And that's what I'm rooting for. And uh, and I think that's a great matchup. Denver and Boston is an intriguing matchup. You know, Al Horford is a good defensive center. He's not as big, but he can defend really well. But then you got who's going to, you know, answer for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, I, I think that's a very intriguing. It could be a very fun NBA Finals matchup. May not be the flashy Lakers-Celtics all-time rivalry, right. but it could be a very fun NBA Finals to watch. Yeah. Um. I'm ex- I'm I'm excited. I think both sides of this semifinals are going to put on a very good show for yeah. everybody. Um, 
and I do love Jimmy Butler too. I just wish that he gave a crap about the regular season. I just, you know, there's going to be one game though where he's going to score like 60 points, and there's going to be nothing Boston can do about it. And I'm here for it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it'll be competitive. Yeah, but I think uh, at the end of the day, I think it'll be Denver and Boston um, playing for a NBA title. But I think we got some competitive, fun basketball games ahead of us to watch over the next couple of weeks. But speaking of fun, competitive games and teams not mailing it in, we'll shift gears for the last few minutes of the podcast. If you're still here, please hang around. College baseball time, because this is a college baseball podcast after all, though we spent the vast majority of the night talking about the NBA. Uh, your Mississippi State Bulldogs had a great, great weekend. We uh, had a – came in just limping, tail between our legs, no pun intended, but just getting embarrassed left and right, left and right. Fired Scott Foxhall, our pitching coach, and LSU. Had to go play at the box, which is notoriously – it's a small field. LSU hits the ball out, out of the park all over the place. And Bulldogs found a way to win in a frustrating way and an exciting way. Twofold there, right? It's frustrating because it's like, where has this been all year, right? We went to the number two team in the country's backyard and took two out of three of them in game three in dramatic fashion after being down 13 to four, came back and won in extras 14-13, snapping off a line drive and picking off somebody at first. Um, Great series win, great momentum win. And Drew... We quoted Dumb and Dumber earlier. I'm going to pull it up again. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> thought you were going to say, <laughs> it's a cardigan, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, but Mississippi State has an outside, minuscule, blue moon. Mercury needs to be in microwave and whatever happens for it to happen. But Mississippi State <laughs> can I think you mean retrograde. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Mercury in microwave. (laughs) Somebody needs to put mercury in the microwave. Moron. (laughs) (laughs) Mercury's got to be in microwave. That's it. For Mississippi State. Put mercury in a microwave, people. (laughs) Bad idea. That's not a recommendation of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. In the podcast. Good grief. We got a chance. So Mississippi State needs to sweep A&M this weekend. And either Missouri needs to get swept by Auburn or Georgia needs to get swept. Um, Oh, I forgot who they're playing. I saw it earlier. But Georgia needs to get swept. If both those things happen, Mississippi State will backdoor into the SEC tournament, which, again, is we were talking about this. You know, this is a. Yeah, it's a remember story. what we're talking about here. <laughs> it's a story program that's trying to backdoor their way into Hoover, not even like a regionals, but trying to get to Hoover for the SEC tournament because um, they take all but the last two teams. And so we're definitely in Georgia, the cellar. Georgia plays LSU at home. So there you go. So there's a real chance that Georgia gets swept in that game in a revenge series. But we've got to take care of business this weekend against A&M, who has not been a great baseball team, but better than us. So if those two things happen and Mississippi State goes to Hoover, and then we no, go and two, we'll go home. That's it. <laughs> we'll go no, you don't go even home. have to go and two. It's single elimination first. Well, that's right when you're at the yeah. bottom seed. But look, just get there because crazy things happen. Q Ole Miss last year. You're gonna bring it up at some point, but like crazy things happen if you just get there, right? You have to win like five games in five days or six games in six days or whatever to get to the championship game, which. This team does not have the pitching depth to do that. We don't have the pitching depth to come out of uh, Mississippi 3A baseball right now, high school baseball. But 
crazy things happen. You get hot at the right time. You, 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 you never know until you get there. And so the fact that we had such an abysmal season and yet we still have an opportunity to get there is a win for the season. Again, in the grand scheme of things and in what is a storied baseball program, it's trash. Like we should not be here. This should not be a conversation. We should be in the conversation for hosting a regional, not trying to backdoor into Hoover. But I'm proud of the boys for fighting. I'm proud of the team for finding some guts towards the end of the year when they could have just absolutely mailed it in like some other teams in the state of Mississippi have. Um, they found a way to win. And we got a we, monster win, lost Friday night against Paul Skeens in a competitive game, one Saturday, Sunday. Let's go take care of businesses, A&M, get a new pitching coach. I think Limo has saved his job at least for another year. Let's end this season on a high note, sweeping A&M. Go lose our game in Hoover. Call it a season. Yeah, I mean the fact that you are you've got your high hopes and you you're running simulations to see how you can make it to Hoover kind of puts a nail on what this season has been for the both of us. Right. You know, Ole Miss is able to move on because we're you know it's not going to happen. It's mathematically impossible for us to make it to Hoover, and uh, it sucks. You know, uh, we'll kind of recap the season maybe once it's over yeah um however you know we thought the Ole Miss baseball season would end Sunday in Alabama as the regular season ends but however Monday night Ole Miss will be on the SEC network have you seen this Mm -mm. they'll be playing uh baseball on the SEC network um in a documentary about the Ole Miss baseball team's run to a national championship last year. Last in, last out, featuring Ole Miss's first national title, premieres Monday, May 2nd on the SEC Network. So uh, tell me that I don't have anything baseball-related to look forward to (laughs) (laughs) because uh, in lieu of watching current baseball games that the Ole Miss baseball team is losing, I've been watching uh, past baseball games in which Ole Miss wins a national championship in Omaha. And so this is our victory lap. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about it. It's not a victory lap. You know, the season, you're not, I'm not going to be as deluded as Rusty was last year to say we celebrated too hard. That's why we stink. No, we stink no. because we stink. No, you know? I said we stink because we stink. I just made it. I just tried to make that was what helped me okay. sleep at night. Uh, I will not uh, give anybody an out in saying that uh, we just, we just party too hard or, you know, we uh, we took this season for granted because we won it all last year. I uh, don't buy any of that. We were just not good, and it's on coaches, it's on players, it's on whoever you want to put it on. Uh, everybody shares the blame, and next year you got to be better. Uh, you know, I do find great joy in Rusty uh, trying to uh, put all the uh, tying all the yarn onto the points in the map, trying to find his way into the SEC tournament as a 12 seed, as if that gives him any hope of actually making the tournament. Uh, <laughs> you, you're over here saying, like Ole Miss did last year, you just have to find a way to get in. No, sir. <laughs> you have to find a way to get into the big tournament, not the SEC <laughs> tournament. Well, it starts by getting to Hoover. If you don't get to Hoover, you don't even go to the other one. Yeah, so. I, I guess. One step uh, at a time. You can't be the last team in and the last team standing if you're not the last team into the real tournament. 
<laughs> just get me to Hoover. Crazy things happen, man. Just get me to Hoover. The Colorado I Rockies. What, I will tell you what will not happen. <laughs> if <laughs> you'll allow me a few seconds, you will like, not be making it to the NCAA regionals. That you never will know, not man. be happening. You never know. <laughs> I will eat my hat. <laughs> I will guarantee you we have a better shot if we make it to Hoover than if we go ahead and go to Cancun. I mean, I agree with you there. I mean, <laughs> I ask, you know, if you're playing, you still stand a chance. However, uh, it's still as far as chances go, that's a pretty slim one. It'll still be more postseason baseball than our in-state colleagues. Oh, you're you're right. You know what? <laughs> this will. Uh, and, and first off, the SEC tournament is not postseason baseball. Sure, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's, it's the SEC tournament. It's after the regular season. That begins postseason baseball because okay. it sets the well, stage I'll for tell season. you what. When if you make it to the the weekend of the SEC tournament, hang a banner. Okay. It, Say it, you no, finish no. Final Four in the SEC tournament and see how how that well that goes. No, we're not going to take it. We're not going to get the little fake ring. Like, did you see Auburn is celebrating their their College World Series uh, participation rings this weekend too? By the way, it's Apparently not just Arkansas. Thing, you know, but. it's not just Arkansas. Auburn's doing it too, but. Like the SEC basketball tournament, that's postseason basketball. The SEC no, baseball not. tournament, it's postseason baseball. It it's is after- not. Oh my it God. is not the postseason. It is not March. It is the Madden, beginning of the postseason. Which yes, it is. does not matter unless the SEC tournament you know does not you, matter. Right. Unless, and we've won an SEC title recently uh, in baseball. It does not matter unless it gives you an automatic berth in. If you don't, you just watch. LSU and Vanderbilt will throw this tournament. It matters because for teams like us that sneak in the back door this year, let's just say like hypothetical dream, like Candyland scenario, right? We backdoor in, we get hot, we win a few games, and it gets us into a regional. It matters to us. Sure, it doesn't matter South Carolina, LSU, who are already going to host because they're one of the top teams in the country. They can mail it in. But it matters to teams fighting for an opportunity to play in a regional. I will say, I'll ask you because you'll know. I'm I'm looking up the standings here just to see your record. Uh, Mississippi State is currently eight and nineteen. Mm. It does not matter how many games you win in in Hoover, unless you win the whole thing. And you don't win the whole thing if you don't go. Yes, and so <laughs> the it's just. Unimportant. Listen, man, I'm just trying to find hope in an otherwise abysmal baseball season. Don't rain on my parade. Just go ahead and and enter into the abyss. It's not that bad. Listen, just know that Uncle Buck is the negative Nancy on this podcast. I'm trying to find some I'm hope. I'm being a my- realist. I mean, good I- grief. You're over here trying to plot points and to, to win an automatic bid by winning the SEC tournament in in the SEC in which you are currently 8 and 19. Crazier things have happened, man. You're hoping. <laughs> okay. Everybody has a bad day, man. <laughs> you yeah. never know. <laughs> yeah. Very, very few times do those bad days stretch into months. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it may be a bad series. Like you never know who's gonna get food poisoning or or not sleep well or their hotel doesn't have AC. You never know yeah. what'll happen. Yeah. There's a difference in uh, you know, you know, um, the miracle on ice. You know, the United States beat Russia. Well, the United States team was pretty dang good. You know. Yeah. This this is Mississippi State team. We're not good. I'll, yeah. I'll be the first on record. <laughs> That's what I'm to trying to get you good. to admit here. You're acting like you got a shot, and your equi- your the false equivalency you've got going here was saying like Ole Miss, 
you know, all you got to do is get in. Yeah, well, you know, you had to get into the tournament. You know, <laughs> we were squarely in the SEC again. You know? We won't get to a regional unless we get to Hoover. Just get to Hoover and let the cards fall as they may. <laughs> we'll lose opening weekend, but at least we were there. <laughs> Rephrase for accuracy. You will not get to the regionals unless you win the SEC championship. That's what I'm get to Hoover and let things happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well. Listen, you don't I'm don't stay up to watch the games. <laughs> We're a terrible baseball team. We if if by some miracle we sweep A and M this weekend, which we've only won no. two series this year. Yeah. One of them was LSU, and one of them was in March against um, Ole against Ole Miss. Um, by some miracle that happens, whoever we play open a weekend, it's over. Like Kate Smith will go out and have a great game, and then the offense will show up and we'll lose like two to one. Um. Just because that's how our season's going. I am well aware that we're not going to make it out, but dadgummit, let's at least get to Hoover. Yeah. Ole Miss got swept this past weekend by Auburn on their senior night. <laughs> so, yeah. Auburn's got hot, man. Auburn's playing yeah, some top 25 really baseball team. right now. Yeah. You know, Those Thompson's got them pointing in the right direction. They're, and, and you're welcome. Mississippi State was the one that ignited that. They were sputtering until they, they took two out of three from us, and that was the launch pad. So, any Auburn Tiger fans out there, you're welcome. Yeah, Auburn's sitting at 14 and 13 in the SEC, uh, third place in the West. 30 and, and so, 19 overall, man. They've, they've yeah, had a good year. They're going to make the tournament. Alabama's going to make the tournament at 13 and 14 unless they get swept this weekend yep. uh, against Ole Miss, which, I mean, let's be honest, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> it could so, happen. Um, you know, you've yeah, seen teams like South Carolina's cooled off as of late. Those freshmen are kind of cooling off a little bit. Florida has really come on strong and is going to be a player um, in in the SEC tournament and beyond. They've got some guys they can hit. But what's scary about Florida is as the year has gone on, their pitching has gotten better and better and better. And they've got some future studs in that rotation um, that can really continue. And, and we all know once you get to the regionals, it's all about pitching. Go yeah. The teams who go the deepest – are the teams of the best pitchers? Two years ago, Will Bednar and Landon Sims carried us, you know, along along with Hootie and a couple other guys. But it's all about pitching once you get past the SEC play. Yeah, and uh, like I predicted to start this season, the SEC has cannibalized itself. You know, you've got your outliers with Florida being eighteen and nine, and South Carolina being seventeen and ten, Arkansas's nineteen and eight, and LSU's seventeen and nine. The rest of the SEC is at 15 wins or below in conference play going into the last weekend, and so yeah, the backwards. Know, Vandy is 17 and 10. South Carolina is 15 and 11. Oh, I, I skipped Vandy over the. I skipped mm-hmm. over Vandy when I was reading it, but yeah. So Vandy uh, is next in line. Vandy and Kentucky have 15 wins. Uh, the next SEC West team is Auburn with 14 wins, and so Auburn with a sweep getting swept this weekend, sitting at would sit at 14 and 16, which would, if if you go by last year's standards, that's what Ole Miss was, and they were the last team in the tournament. Yeah. So um, they've cannibalized themselves. They're going to get the benefit of the doubt. They're still going to get a lot of teams in. We'll still have four, yeah. five, six teams in the tournament. Rusty's big prediction to start the SEC series season was that Missouri was going to finish second in the East. Let's not forget that. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I said they were going to finish last in the East behind Georgia. Oh, did you say? Did you? Say, 
Okay. I said Kentucky was going to finish second okay. in the East. Kentucky. That's who it was. Okay. Was Kentucky was my hot okay. take in the in the in the East. Well, that one hasn't been so forward. bad. They haven't been so, so bad. No, I haven't. Fifteen I said, and twelve. I, Fourth I said in the the worst teams are going to be Missouri, Georgia, uh, Alabama, and Auburn, and I was wrong on the West. That's for sure. Yeah, because it was me and you. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I think that's all I've got uh, for mine today. Do you have anything else you want to hit? I think you mentioned something about Ole Miss basketball. Do we? Oh yeah, I'll we'll talk a little so, bit about the transfer portal. Yeah, the state got a big high. State got a big transfer uh, in Go a ahead. shooting guard from the Big East. Um, not as big as Ole Misses, but had a big time commit. Um, kid out of the Big East. I'm uh, blanking on it. I think it's from Temple. Let me pull it. Up. I'm pulling it up right now. But Chris Beard has been working the transfer portal like nobody's business. It's something. That's how you build a program these days. Um, Chris Jans, who signed a long-term deal, is doing a great job, and Starful has hit the transfer portal some, not quite as much as some of our in-state counterparts, but um, got a big guy who can actually shoot, which is what we need in Mississippi State. We've got, um, you know, rumors are Tolu Smith is coming back. We've got some guys that are going to return, but we needed some shooting. We needed some offense from the portal, and went out and got that. Got a good opportunity to continue to grow. Um, and we'll just see what happens over the next few weeks as we, you know, head into the quiet off season and spring, you know, spring training for college basketball. So um, we'll see. But Chris Beard been attacking the uh, transfer portal, right? Yeah. So I, it's kind of I'm always kind of curious to how I, I was telling you off air before we got started. I would like to know, and it was before the transfer portal, but how Chris Beard built his teams when he took over, particularly at Texas Tech, his first big job. Uh, but so far, he has gotten uh, Austin Nunez, a former four-star uh, point guard from Arizona State. He got Brandon Murray from Georgetown. Uh, he is a four-star transfer. Uh, that's what he was graded as a transfer as a four-star. Uh, he's also gotten what is the biggest news, literally, is Musa Cisse, mm-hmm. who is seven-foot center. Uh formerly of Memphis, then formerly of Oklahoma State, and a even bigger guy, Jamarian Sharp from Western Kentucky. Uh, two seven-foot-plus centers that he has gotten in the last week. Uh, everybody's kind of still got their eyes on the, the Texas kid, the number two player in the country who was committed to him at Texas. Um, and so kind of hoping he comes. But he's hit the transfer portal hard, which is really the only card he had to play in his first season here at Ole Miss. And so uh, I've told you before, I've never been a big Ole Miss basketball fan, mainly because they've just been a bottom dweller and not ever been really anything to get excited about. But the the capacity to care is there, and I'm starting to feel it a little bit. And it starts now with getting a little bit of excitement about the players on the roster. Um, you did have the, uh, the former four-star guard, the number one player in Mississippi, Deshaun Ruffin, Mm-hmm. Uh, he transferred out after bailing towards the middle of the season, just kind of walked off of campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is now at Jackson State. So you do have – you need another dynamic scoring guard uh, right. to fit in with these big guys. But if nothing else, we will – we're going to put out a team out there that's going to be hard to score on, which yeah. is fun. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's Andrew Taylor is the kid I was talking about. He was actually a Marshall transfer, which doesn't sound like a big deal in the Big South, but he um had he averaged he was the only player in the country that had twenty points, four and a half assists, four and a half rebounds, and two steals per game last year. He's one of Marshall's all time leading scorers. 
can just fill up the bucket in the for the in the Sun Belt last year. Um, you know, could be some scoring that we desperately need on offense. <clears throat> Tolu Smith, he comes back, will be big in the post for us, but we're gonna have to do something to keep up. Ole Miss is obviously attacking the transfer portal pretty well. You know, it, I'm curious to see. We've talked about this on the podcast with Lane Kiffin and what Ole Miss has done in the transfer portal in football versus you know Mississippi State bringing up more kids out of high school. I really am curious to see over the next five to 10 years what the data shows is the transfer portal where you get better. Right now, it looks like Ole Miss is winning that battle, getting better in the transfer portal. We'll see what happens when I actually put them on the court. Yeah, we'll, what we'll probably end up finding out is there's more than one way to skin a cat. You just yeah. got to be able to to maneuver. Either way you do it, you got to maneuver it well. So Exactly. So. All right. That's, That's all, all I got, got, buddy. So, uh, man, I will see you next week. I am going to be coming home next week to see the family for a few days. So uh, we will have our regularly scheduled program and be on the lookout for a special edition episode. We're still looking at what that's going to look like, what those details are. But, Uncle Buck, I'm looking forward to whatever we come up with. Absolutely, man. Everybody have a good week. Thank you for joining in with us, and we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. See you guys. Bye.